if you lean anxious attachment, you can lean other attachment styles, but you also are really good at investigation. And that was one thing I was good at. And if I felt something was off, I might look into it. Like I would go to who they follow or this and the other. And usually there was something off. What's up, fam? This is the Heart of Dating Podcast. It's your boy, JJ and Kate Tomlin. <laughs> officially. Yes. According to Social Security. I did change my name officially. All 10 of those credit cards you got. Oh, gosh. I don't have 10 credit cards. That's <laughs> scary. They're all maxed out. No. Wow. That would be your credit cards, too, honey, oh, at this point. <laughs> to would. become one. It would. Exactly. <laughs> uh, today, we got a fun episode. Mm-hmm. And it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. You know what? Even if you're single and you're like, ew, Valentine's Day, what I love about it is take yourself out on a date tonight or, you know, this week, if you're listening this week. I mean, I used to hate Valentine's Day until I realized what an awesome opportunity to just celebrate love in general, like my love for God, my love for who God created me to be. That sounds like really like maybe egotistical but no like take yourself on a solo date do something with girlfriends or guy friends like do something fun that's all i gotta say what made you go from the idea of not really doing solo dates and you know i was terrified oh so it was actually fear i didn't want to do things alone i thought that made me look like weird and a loner until i realized how empowering it is and actually super brave and awesome wow But that also transformed with me like gaining courage and gaining confidence in my singleness because I thought it's embarrassing to go out solo because I also saw my singleness as like a plague, you know? So would you say that was one of the the good things you did in your singleness? Oh, yeah, because today we're talking about how I sabotage my dating life. Let's talk (laughs) about that. Ew. And today's episode is all about the things that you did, quote unquote, wrong. Yes, majorly. No, I mean, seriously, this today's episode, do you want me... To, to walk them through or how about you walk them through what it's all about? Yeah, I would, I'm going to share with you guys some of JJ's going to interview me and then on Friday I'm going to interview him and I, we're just going to talk about some of the biggest mistakes we made in dating. And you know, these are things that I wish I had known earlier or had heard teachings on earlier, But also, I want you to know that dating isn't about being perfect. Like, I actually learned and grew so much from some of these mistakes I made. And so it's not like you have to be this perfect dater. However, I think some of you are also going to get an awakening to realize, wow, I'm doing that. I didn't realize how maybe how much that's maybe affecting my dating life in a negative way. And so, yeah, we're going to get real vulnerable today for me and then Friday with JJ. That'll be fun. <laughs> right, because you've written a whole book on being vulnerable, talking about your past, your failures. But you would say that today is maybe stories that you've never really shared publicly before. Yeah, and more specific dating. Like my book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, is is there's dating weaved in, but it's not just dating in there. This one is like, here's like some nitty gritty dating mistakes I yeah. made. <laughs> here's like everything I did wrong. <laughs> there's probably even more than we'll be able to cover today. But the heart behind that is what? Is to learn from our mistakes and... Like you guys learn from our mistakes. Exactly. And to know that like, we're not 
perfect. Um, and your goal in dating isn't perfection. It's just to be always curious and continue to be committed to learning and growing. Right. Cause, cause everyone, and I think that idea of everyone is on their journey it, that extends grace to myself because mm-hmm. if you think Kate's story is bad and messy and she messed up, just <laughs> wait till you hear mine on Friday. Yikes. And I'm so serious. Uh, but everyone's on their journey, which means when you're yeah. on the other side of someone's mistakes, someone's mess ups, someone's failures, just understanding, hey, they're on their journey just as much as I am. Yeah, totally. So quickly, we want to say hello to our YouTube family. Welcome. Uh, you should definitely watch this episode on YouTube if you're not, because I think our facial expressions are going to speak pretty loudly. <laughs> and we're matching. And we are matching. Which yes. Is just my favorite thing Ever. in the world. No, I'm kidding. No, I actually I'm excited because I've actually haven't heard some of these stories before. So I'm super excited to grill you and roast you and, and have surprise and shock on your face. I know. I know. Well, tonight also, if you're listening in the morning, it's Valentine's Day. We have a Patreon event tonight. We want to invite you to. It's a live podcast recording and live blind dates. You can go to patreon.com slash heart of dating. Uh, we'd love to have you there. And even if you're listening to this and it's after that, like still come join us on Patreon because we do fun things like this in Patreon. And there's a lot of cool perks. Um, last thing, we got lots of resources for you up here at Heart of Dating. All right, Heart of Dating, Heart of Dating. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. And um, one of the ones I want to highlight today is our core values guide that helps you through core values and non-negotiables, which pff, I needed way earlier in my life. So if you go to heartofdating.com forward slash resource forward slash core values with an S on the end, you can download that free resource. Okay, I'm so, ready. let's get into the heart of the matter. <laughs> wow, thank you for that throwback. That was great. We should play the old music. I know. Well, welcome to the podcast, Kate. How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm nerve-sighted. You're nerve-sighted. Okay, why is that? Because I know you're going to ask me some hard questions. Yeah, no, this is this is a safe place, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud of you. I... I all joking aside, I, I genuinely, I'm so proud of you in life mm. and I'm, I, Aww. I love you. And I, I just, I am most proud of you when you're vulnerable and deeply honest. Oh, thank and, you, Henry. you know, I think about second Corinthians and, uh, where you boast in your weakness, right. And you, and you embrace your failure. I, I think I respect you and love you most. In those moments. Oh, thank you, babe. Yeah. That's very sweet. Well, let's jump into it. I mean, okay. to clarify for everyone listening, Kate, right, gave me these notes and she told me what to ask. This is not me going in with the... Well, I gave them, here are all the mistakes I made. <laughs> ask any questions you want. Yeah. So <laughs> as I talk, just understand, you know, this is Kate's wish and where she wants to go, not me trying to publicly humiliate <laughs> her. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a good, that's a good... The disclaimer. Okay. So let's go there right off the bat. I think one thing that is maybe a common theme from childhood, teenage years, and into your dating relationships is the idea of control mm. and specifically controlling guys. Mm-hmm. Now, was this always a case? Did it get, did it get worse in adulthood? Like we kind of talk about the idea of controlling 
your boyfriend and or girlfriend and it's not really talked about, right? Because it's maybe embarrassing. Right. Do you feel like you experienced that embarrassment and, and didn't really talk about it? And how did it show up in the relationships you were in? I would say I, d- I wasn't exactly conscious of it earlier in my life. Control showed up even in friendships from a very young age. For me, I mean, that was a big deal. It was the only way I could make sense of the chaos happening like and my home life and just different things I went to control, which a lot of people do build that coping mechanism. One reason why I realized I controlled guys is because inherently for me, I wanted to feel like they weren't going to go anywhere. And this leans into my anxious attachment style. Um, if you guys know anything about that. And, um, so with anxious attachment, you're always fearing that something's going to leave you or that thing that you really love and crave or desire is going to like leave you at any given moment. So sometimes you do use control to make them stay. I also in later years of my life use control, um, to kind of make people, guys I was dating do the things I want them to do. So Mm -hmm. an example was my high school boyfriend that went into college. That was a five year relationship, very long. Um, (laughs) I doubt he'll ever listen to this, but that would be so funny if he did doubt it though. Anyway, he was a great guy, but, um, they, he, you know, in high school, he was like, not even sure if he was going to go to college. And I was like, no, you have to go to college. Like, what are you talking about? And so there is a, a realm in which I kind of forced him to apply. I forced him to like, go to school. Like, I was like, you cannot, like, I won't respect you. I'll break up with you. I'm pretty sure I threatened things like that being like, if you don't go to school, like I won't respect you. I'll break up with you. I don't, I can't be with somebody like that. And so, I mean, on one side, sure, he can thank me because now he's very successful. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But um, that wasn't right. You know, like he, I was forcing him and like manipulating him and controlling him into going to school. Um, And then, you know, just other examples like the, uh, of this came up, but a guy I dated um, in my twenties, I, could sense from the beginning, we were not spiritually yoked. Like we're not on the same page per se. And, but I saw the potential in him and I was like, I just think he needs a mentor. And so I kept nagging him and being like, get a mentor, get a mentor. Here's the name of a mentor. Like here's like all this, these things. Like on a platter. Yeah. And he was like, started resenting. Like now I really don't want to get a mentor because you are so like, forceful about it. Eventually you got a mentor because I learned about feminine energy and my therapist was like, you are not doing any of this right. And I was like, Oh, and he did end up getting a mentor. But, um, the point is that I tried to control guys to make them do the things I want them to do. And then ultimately though, I lost respect for these guys that I was dating. Like my high school boyfriend would be the best example. I just didn't have respect for him. Now, two questions. One would be, obviously you didn't just come out and flat out say, like, I want to control you. you right. <laughs> like, that wouldn't be too effective. But how would you maybe disguise it? Or how would you maybe kind of... I would disguise it as like, these are good, going to be good things for you. You know? Mm. Like, I'm trying to transfer them into the kind of guy I wanted them to be. So you had a very clear idea and vision of what you wanted them and to And that also like. is rooted in that I cared what people thought about me. 
Oh, so if they I, were like an extension of you. Right. So if I was with a guy that didn't go to college and yet I was top 20 in my class and like really valued education and all these things, like that would be embarrassing to me. So even from the way they dress, their status, their job, yeah, it was a reflection of you. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, would you say that, was that your primary motivation of maybe... If I'm Why? being honest, it was a big motivation, okay. which is like not great. Now, what would you say to the girl listening who's like, yeah, that's kind of me, <laughs> you know, like. I would say to that girl, I learned this recently in the past year, but there are three main core needs of a man and they all differ. Like guy, it can be different for every guy, but these are three things from studies that they have found that guys need in relationship. One is to have autonomy. So like freedom, he can do things that he wants to do. You're not going to make him not do those things. The second thing is to remain themselves. Okay. So like let them be who they want to be to an extent. And the third thing they need to feel is um, needed and appreciated um, in some way, you know? And I think that's these, these very much have come up in our relationship. And I can see in the past with guys I dated, I completely flattened their freedom and autonomy and their ability to remain themselves because I'm trying to change them in ways. Like my high school boyfriend, he didn't want to go to college. He didn't have that kind of drive. He was fine with his life as it was. And I'm saying, oh no, I'm not okay with you. If you're like that, if you want to be with me, you have to be like this. And so I think you know, some people may hear that and be like, well, yeah, I get that you want to be with a guy who has education, all of this, that, yeah, that that's fine. But to control someone to do that for you is not fine. So I could have walked away and been like, you know what, that's is not a value. I don't really appreciate that. He doesn't have that same value as me. And maybe that, you know, I mean, I'm like 17, 18 at the time, right? But like, um, you can, you can make these decisions today to be like, Hey, I don't, we don't value similar things. Okay. And I'm going to walk away, but to try to like manipulate force, control somebody to change is never going to go well for you. Yeah. It hurts both of you. Yeah. You know, it really does. But I really appreciate you sharing that. And Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely been one of those things that we've experienced together that has changed and grown. And, you know, from a control perspective, I think uh, we all struggle with control. Uh, it just kind of comes out in different ways. Yep. But I, I love the fact that, you know, we and you specifically have learned that, you know, unconditional agape love is a radical acceptance of who you are mm-hmm. and where you are. Yeah, exactly. At this moment. Yeah. It's the same love that's afforded to us. Right. Right. From, from Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God. Mm-hmm. And we get to mimic that. And I, control is kind of the opposite, right? Yes. Control says, I love you, but not this version of you. Right. And if you do these things and become this version, mm-hmm. then I can accept and love you. Right. Right. Well, so maybe uh, as an overflow, your next bullet point, right, was this. You frequently became, uh, as if it wasn't good enough to be their life coach and career coach, you also at times became the therapist for the guy as well. Is this true? Yeah. This happened more so when I started doing major healing after abuse, even the beginning of Heart of Dating Days, like, which wasn't that long ago, right, guys? And so... I, 
I, you know, found value in helping guys heal and I wanted to share with them attachment styles and love languages and all these things and take these tests and read these books and do all these things and blah, 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 blah. And it's one thing if the guy expressed interest because I brought it up in conversation. He's like, oh, I want to learn more about that. Will you send me more information? It's another thing when I'm like, hey, you should read this. Hey, you should take this test. Hey, you should do this and like teach them all of these things. Um, and that's really, that is really tough because that's maybe unique to me in some capacities, but it's also probably going to be unique to a lot of you listeners who have learned a lot about dating through this podcast, who you may know a certain way of dating and may know certain things about yourself and the other person may not know all those things. Right. And so you have to be open to, they have a different way of doing it and, be open to that journey with them. And I think one thing that was big for me though, that I figured out is that I, um, I, I was dating a lot of potential, which we've talked about this before, but I did that a lot. I was like, I can see the guy they could become. (laughs) So I'm going to hold on to that idea. I'm going to help them become that through being their coach and therapist. Oh, okay. That makes sense now. Okay. So obviously there's something to gain, Right. From them growing to that potential. Um, a little bit deeper of a question. Do you feel like you got a lot of significance and value from saving yeah. and being their therapist? Oh, yeah. But it comes back to what I said before is there's also a level where I didn't respect them fully. Right. Because I'm like, oh, you don't already have these things. Not that they should already have all those things or should have already read all of those books. But I would say it was hard for me to respect a guy that maybe did no therapy and knew nothing about, had done really no healing on himself. Yeah, I would say that wouldn't be evenly yoked for me because um, just for where I was at, unless the guy was like intensely diving into it and really excited on his own, regardless of me. But to answer your question, yeah, I did get value from that. Okay. Yeah. Um, had anybody ever played therapist with you or were you kind of always the one speaking and always their a life? therapist? Interesting. Yep. And probably the most relevant for anyone in their twenties, thirties and forties, physical boundaries. <laughs> I was so bad at these. What is what does every Christian teacher couple say when they're asked about physical boundaries? What do they say? Oh well, we weren't perfect. But, but. yeah. Yeah, I did I made a lot of mistakes. You guys who have listened to this podcast for a while know that. If you're a new listener, maybe you don't, but I had here are just some things I did. And these are even in like As I would, as I, this is even after I stopped having sex and I was still working on my physical boundaries and ethic when it came to. As a Christian. Yeah. As a Christian, my like physical ethic or sexual ethic when it came to physical boundaries. So I did stop having sex like earlier in my twenties and made a recommitment there. But there were other things that like I still struggled with Um, making out with guys really early on. Okay. Um, And dry humping. There you go. Hate that word, but there you go. Just how to say it. Spooning. (laughs) Yeah. Spooning. Spooning is different than dry humping. What's the difference? It's humping with your clothes on. (laughs) Wait. And spooning is no clothes on? No. Spooning is like cuddling. And dry humping is... Humping with clothes on. I thought there's humping and spooning. There could be. 
I think spooning can lead to, to dry humping. Anyway, anyway, I also definitely sent thirst trap photos for validation for sure. Sent flirty texts to like an instigate things. There was times where I sexted guys. Yeah. That was very in that didn't happen very often. Like after the recommitment to, to like, to my sexual ethic and having no sex before marriage. But I would say that it was still something that happened maybe once or twice, but I would say the making out earlier on and dating and the um, dry humping or texting thirst traps, like that was still something I struggled with in my twenties a lot. And so, um, and this was even where I was like, you know, all the way up to not that far before like heart of dating, you know, I mean, if I'm just being super honest, why, why do you think that is? <laughs> um, I mean, and I don't yeah. mean that as in oh. like, you know, I'm disappointed in you. No, no, I mean, totally. as in like for anyone who yeah. maybe made the worst sexual mistakes and has recommitted, why do you feel like for you is maybe, uh, it's, it sounds like your sexual ethic grew and grew and grew. Right. Cause right. it, and what I talk about now is it had to be deeply rooted. Cause if you constantly find yourself saying, I always cross boundaries, I always cross boundaries. Cause maybe I wasn't having sex with guys, but I was crossing boundaries I was setting. And that was because my sexual ethic wasn't deeply rooted enough. And I still had parts of my identity that felt validation from physical intimacy with men, which came really early in my high school years. Um, and that's a way I found validation and, va- and value and identity. And so there were still parts of that lingering mixed with my sexual ethic and my why behind my what was not super deep yet. Like I hadn't really worked out that conviction with the Lord. It was there, but it wasn't like that deep for me. And I also didn't set up myself, myself up at times with like really strong accountability. Um, and this is where, you know, like I mentioned before that I struggled also in my twenties with masturbation and it wasn't until I voiced it and told a girlfriend and, and we actually kept each other deeply accountable. Like she would ask me or same with boundaries where it was like, this wasn't a laughing matter when it's like, Oh, well I made out with him. Oh, (laughs) okay. You'll do better next time. No. It's when I actually took it seriously and had people to check in on me because I was like, no, I, I got to admit my weakness and I actually want to do much better than I am. And if I was an alcoholic, (laughs) like, that's why alcoholics go to AA, right? It's like, I need more accountability. That's why they get a sponsor. I am not doing great at this just on my own. And I need to re I get, I need to get deeper and richer, no BS, sorry, accountability. And so I needed to do that for myself. What about sleepovers? Um, I didn't do that very often. Um, but I mean, I would say it still happened. Yes. Still happened. Yeah. Yeah. But that was something, same thing, just something that's kind of gray as far as sexual ethic that you kind of had to grow and see the value in. Yeah. I always felt off about sleepovers. Why is that? I, I never, I thought like sleeping in the same bed was so sacred and I, I always felt off about it. Some of me also, some parts of me also did things like that out of people pleasing of like, 
my anxious attachment. I want him to like me. And if he wants to do this, I'll do this. Even if he wasn't pressuring me, yeah. you know, like I'm like, oh, I know so he you, really wants it. So I'm going to do this for a connection. And that's another part of it. If you, if you lean anxious and you're really scared of somebody leaving, you might do things that you wouldn't normally do, not because the person's making you, but because you're like, oh, if I, I think they want this. And if I do this, maybe it'll make them you know, like you would hold on to me and not necessarily just out of like a sexual, I would initiate or if it would be more like connection and intimacy base. Yeah. Wow. Yep. What would you tell yourself? Uh, so you just recommitted to, you know, no sex, really trying to honor God with your sexual ethic and boundaries. What would you Tell yourself. I would tell them what my therapist told me eventually, which is you have to go cold turkey on everything. Be really brutal with yourself. Mm. Like don't watch stuff with any sexual things in it um, or fast forward. If there is something unexpected, like don't even kiss a guy and like just go extreme for a while. Like I, 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 this is what she told me. She was like, you're going to have to go extreme for a while. If this is something you're really serious about, if it's something you really, really want, which mm. you have to ask yourself that question and decide that for yourself. Cause it's silly to pretend, okay, well I'm old enough and I should be able to do it differently yeah. when my pattern is clearly showing I'm not, <laughs> you, know? you know? So I think you just, it's, it sounds legalistic, but you have to commit to it to yourself to being maybe quote legalistic on your own to, to get the result that you're really desiring. Well, you know, holiness has to be real Yeah, and it has to be important. Mm -hmm. It's not, we're avoiding legalism. It's no, we're just pursuing holiness. Yes. And, and sometimes I have to be more strict knowing my sin habits. Right. And out of the joy towards holiness, you know, and, Last note, and we'll keep moving, is JP had a great quote the other day. He's actually, he took it from a secular song, so he, you can't say the B word in it, but 99 is a blank, 100% is easy. Mm. Meaning if you're an alcoholic and you're trying to kick, right, kick, drinking alcohol, 99 of your bottles of booze and leaving one in the fridge mm. is hard. But kicking everything out, you gotta kick it going all out. 100% yeah. is easy. Yeah, I'm, and that's what I had to do. For sure. Okay, now I love how a lot of these issues are maybe stemming out of a, just a deep desire and hunger for connection. Yep. Like emotional intimacy. And it might surface through physical mm -hmm. right initiation, but one of those also might be even in the way you communicate. Would you uh, people please? Would you over text? Would you over read into their texts? Did you like? Yes, I over text her. Um, especially to affirm and think, okay. Now I love affirming people, but I would find myself, the guy took me on a great date and I would feel like I, I had to overthink them almost multiple times or extensively. And if I was checking in with my intention, it wasn't because I just wanted to genuinely let them know I was thankful. It was that plus I want them to think that I am so awesome and I am just so thankful and I like enamored by them. And I look up to them like it was a performance and it was another thing out of anxious attachment for me that I did to try to keep them to stay. Right. If I can show them how grateful and how amazing I think they are, 
then maybe they'll stay. And so, um, so you're kind of like marketing yourself. Yeah. And I think this one goes into another one, which is another bullet point, but I'm just going to bring up is like performing in performance mode, auditioning to be their wife, kind of similar in this regard. Um, I would overkill affirmation. I would take the reins early on to plan romantic stuff for them and be like super all out because I want them to think that I'm awesome and the best and no other girl is ever going to be like this for them. Oh, really? And I would do, yeah, I would do crazy thoughtful things, but (laughs) it was less because I really just wanted to do it for them and more. I'm going to do this. They're going to like me. They're not going to leave me. They're going to think there's no girl like me on the planet and it'll make me retain closeness with them. What would that look like? Because these crazy dates, uh, you've definitely planned some amazing, sweet, kind birthdays and stuff, but in the beginning, I didn't do this for you. Like, yeah, I mean, throughout our dating and relationship prior to engagement, you didn't plan that much. No, because I mean, I was trying to heal my people. Right. But what did I miss out on? (laughs) Okay. One, and I hope this guy doesn't listen, but that's fine. Um, No, we hope he does. One guy, I knew that his favorite car was a Ferrari. (laughs) <laughs> and I rented bought him a Ferrari. No, I rented a Ferrari for the day for him. We were only a few months into we were in a relationship, but like probably two, three months in, I don't know. And um I had a whole itinerary planned for the whole day with this rented Ferrari, which wasn't cheap, FYI. How much? Even for one day. I think it was like six hundred dollars. <laughs> Plus all the things. <laughs> You spent 600 bucks with inflation. That's like a thousand dollars today. Okay. And the car alone? Yeah, just the car. I mean, it was a cool car, but yeah. And like, I had a friend that actually was like, Kate, I think you're overdoing it. Like, I think you're performing. And I was like, no. Uh, Yeah, I definitely was. And. You know, I liked, I like being the best and I wanted to be seen as the best. And I knew, and he loved it. I mean, gosh, he loved it. Of course. I mean, I hope so. Yeah. But like my, if I really go back to my intention, it was, it was more for me than it was for him in a sense. So from like a third party point of view, you did look like an awesome girlfriend. Right. Your intention and heart underneath was all. Yeah. And I'm not saying you can't plan awesome dates for the person that you're in a relationship with. I think it comes back to what's your motivation and you have to be super honest with yourself. Like I knew this guy years ago, I felt like there was maybe distance happening. And so what I did was I was like, I'm going to make him his favorite meal. I'm going to do all these things. and It's going to be so fun. And I'm just going to make it like, I did this whole night for him because I could feel him pulling away. And the reason I did that night is because I wanted to draw him back into me less because, oh, I just want to do something to serve him that I think he'll really like. Uh, so, so always like that hidden motivation. Right. Of yeah. like, how is that? I, it's more about me. It's selfish in a way. I, I don't want to lose closeness. So yeah. I'm doing this, but they're going to enjoy it in the process, but it's really about me. Now is one of these guys, um, the same one that you got caught red handed 
stalking <laughs> for a lack of a better word it is how do, how do we say this um <laughs> stalking is that the right word yes but when i put stalking on this like this was more like stalking in other capacities that was a breakup stalk okay <laughs> what's the difference as one more just no stalking was like okay so there's different kinds of stalking it was, and I think there's an appropriate level of investigation here. <laughs> wait, this, wait, 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 okay, no, so keep in mind. I thought mind. this is a tell-all. No, yes, but of mm, this one, there's an appropriate level of it, I believe, but... Um, Why? Well, I think there's an appropriate level of like, hey, look at the guy, the kind of girls the guy is following. Oh, you mean like Instagram stalking? That's what I was talking more so. When no one knew that. <laughs> Sorry. So when I'm talking about stalking, like I would say big mistake is like, is I think I did too much of it. And I think I, Instagram, I brought it up correct. over and over and over, but yes, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. So I think there's a healthy level of, yeah, you should, you can and should look through their followers and if they're following all bikini models or, you know, they're following like some suspect accounts, I don't know. I usually have found that that's not a great sign. Um, oh, that's going to be the least, if they're doing, if they're following bikini models, that's going to be the least of your problems. Right. There's definitely other things under there. But like the, the thing about it for me is that also my muscle of discernment has grown through time. And typically when I found, I, if you lean anxious attachment, you can lean other attachment styles, but you also are really good at investigation. And that was one thing I was good at. And if I felt something was off, I might look into it. Like I would go to who they follow or this and the other. And usually there was something off. And so, um, you know, another thing is like, if I'm thinking of a guy who had a lot of girls that were friends that he talked to a lot. Like in his phone, he probably had more girls he was talking to that were friends than guys he was like talking if you look to. And his text messages for the past week. Right. Which I didn't look through them, but it's just like sometimes you could see who's popping up, right, on their phone if it's in front of you on the table or something. And so he was like this one guy was talking to lots of girls that were friends. And um, I think the thing that I would do as well is then I would look that girl up and I would obsess over this girl and like look at her stories and where she's going and what she's doing. And I got like way too in the weeds. So I think here's the thing. If you sense in your gut that something is off, if this person, if you bring it up to them and they're super defensive about the follows that they're following on Instagram or the amount that they're talking with girls that are friends or the amount they're meeting up one-on-one -on -one with girls, Okay. If they're defensive, um, the worst thing you can do is a can try to control them out of it, which I tried to do or prove to them something, um, because it's going to feel nagging. They're not going to feel autonomous. They're going to feel all these things. You need to notice by their response that there's something off here and you need to decide if that feels good to you or not. And you need to decide to walk away or not. The issue that I did was, I didn't walk away and I tried to force them into change mm -hmm. and I consistently stalked them and paid attention to like all the account, like the, like if he, the guy was sitting next to me, I would like look at like what stories he's looking at, or I would look at the messages that popped up on his phone. I never went through his phone, but you know, then I'm getting like obsessive compulsively, like, like all over this guy, which is not healthy. You talk about getting exclusive too soon. You feel like you were constantly trying to lock guys down. Like, was there just a mm -hmm. 
like claws trying to. Oh yeah. What yeah, and, and you got to imagine for the, the, this right. scenario I'm talking about is years after I was in an abusive relationship where I was cheated on so many times. Okay. So I should have left right away because this guy was emotionally cheating on me, but I didn't because I wanted him to like me and I wanted him. I went back into my anxious attachment patterns. So the desire to be liked outweighed. And for connection. The idea of <clears throat> self-worth. And you know what or... it was with this specific guy? This specific guy I'm talking about, he was the guy that every other girl wanted. Uh, and okay. so there was also a level of, oh, I'm getting him so or he's into me. there's a lot of validation me. and kind of landing the, mm-hmm. the hot the guy. The guy that everyone else wants. Okay. And as you kind of like weigh this like... I really am desperate for connection, validation, you know, what you kind of desired. Mm-hmm. Did you also like on the other end of your mind and brain and scale have like a, but I'm worth so much more. Like, did you not? Yeah, have there some? was that balance yeah. and fight going on, which is why I would bring up um, the girls a lot okay. or Instagram stuff a lot or like the girls he's texting a lot, yeah. like, because I'm like, I'm worth more than this. I'm going to teach him that what he's doing is wrong <laughs> and then he'll stop doing it and be with me and it'll be just us. Wow. There's probably, there was something like that in the back of my mind. What would you tell yourself? You just found out that he was emotionally, you know, cheating on you. Right. What would you go back and tell yourself? Well, what I did learn from that relationship is a journal entry I had at the beginning where I wrote down, you should not date this guy because of X, Y, Z. My gut told me it's not safe. My gut told me he's very flirty. He's probably talking to lots of girls and probably has a lot of emotional strings with a lot of girls. I wrote this stuff down in my journal. Yeah. So I knew it. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me, telling me. And you feel like that was maybe the Holy Spirit. Yes. Guidance. Not yeah. just your intuition, but. I really do. It was a discernment of like, that was my clear headed, healthy self saying, "Mm -mm, this isn't going to be a good equation for you. And then he started showing me more interest and more interest. And I was like, I got swept into it. Hmm. And so when the relationship ended and some things came out, I was like, wow, this is a huge lesson to trust your gut in the early stages. Like, Ask a lot of questions, of course, never write somebody off right away just by one red flag, but also balancing like journaling how you feel after these dates, asking them questions, seeing how they respond and then seeing how their response makes you feel and paying attention to all of that early on. It's, it is a great piece of advice that applies to a lot of different situations. Mm Now, you have a couple more notes about maybe being nitpicky, right, with clothes and stuff and appearances. Um, that might be an extension of the first thing we talked about, control, yep, control. and their appearance as a reflection of yours. Yeah. Um, comparing people to your exes. Mm-hmm. So you would have an ex who did one thing really well, and you would remember that. It was one main ex. Okay. And you compare everybody to that main ex? Yep. Um, you feel like that just kind of marred everyone's evaluation, like moving forward. Yeah, I realized. What would you say was pretty? I realized pretty early on after that relationship. After I started dating other people, 
post that dream quote dream relationship chapter five of my book with this guy Chris ending I realized like I had this unfair I had this lie that I believed that I would never be with a man who was like romantic and could woo my heart the way this guy did like I believed that lie that this that only existed with that guy I was Mm. dating that broke up with me and so it was like because I believed that lie when I was dating guys in the future nothing they did could like level up. Wow. And so what did you, did you just have to like, like go through therapy and through the Holy spirit? I had to realize like, Hey, you have to believe that God is going to provide you with some, like if you're to get married, that the man is going to be romantic in some capacity, but it's not going to probably look like it did. And so you have to be okay with that. And you ended up with, (laughs) not that. No, you can be I'm really kidding. romantic <laughs> when you want to be. You you can be super romantic. Yeah, it's wonderful. Okay, so we made it through all of your bullet points. Is there any that got left off? No, I just want to add one thing to the compare to exes. I okay. think it's another big mistake. Don't compare your relationship to other relationships, uh, and I think this goes well into marriage. Did like, you do that? We even I struggled that with even with us, and I've done that with other. You know, just. Your relationship is your relationship and no, you need to keep it between you guys. You need to have counsel and people have eyes in your relationship. But if they're, if all of that is going okay, don't compare it to the person in the relationship that has no issues or that everything is hunky dory because it's two different people with different stories and backgrounds. What's the difference between having like a healthy standard? And what he- of what healthy relationships should look like mm-hmm. and the relationship that you find yourself in. I think that goes back to um, having good counsel in your corner and also having older, wiser people that have that have similar issues that you two individually have because they can actually uniquely speak into, okay, this is actually way too unhealthy. You guys shouldn't be together or like, hey, we went through something like this. You guys are like growing and you're okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know what you mean. If I have a couple that isn't pouring into us that has, if that person, if they both are securely attached, then they're going to look at our relationship and be like, wow, yeah. some of that is cuckoo cray cray. Cause they've never experienced that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. I think, uh, and unless you really know that couple, and you know their flaws and you know their weaknesses, like that's how close your lives are. It's really hard to model your life after theirs because mm-hmm. you don't know, right? The actually what's going on. You only just see the highlights, right? Right. So you're comparing your story and your relationship to everyone's highlights. Mm-hmm. Of course, your relationship is going to feel like the worst, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Okay. So this was, this was so good. You set the bar so high. I can't wait to just massively fail in comparison <laughs> you are when not. you interview me next. But, you know, as you talk about these mistakes, I guess my closing question is like, did, were you extending grace and mercy to yourself as you made all these mistakes throughout dating? Or could you almost only do that way after the fact as you look back years and years? Or do you still carry bits and pieces of shame as you look through, you know, yeah. what, what some people would, some people would never, ever, ever share some of the information that you just did. 
Yeah, I, I think it varies topic to topic. Like each one we discuss has a different layer of how much I have forgiven myself for that thing or not. And in the moment, I think that varied through time as well, through how much healing I got and realizing it wasn't about perfection, but being perfectible and always learning and growing. So I might have outbursts of an anxious attachment, something or other and learning, okay, like, let's not be defeatist here. <laughs> that, that can still happen. And what are the, it's just about the response and the growth from that, that matters more than the situation happening. Right. But, and the situation matters. Yes. You're not the emphasizing the situation and consequent, yeah. like, right. Like I'm not saying it didn't matter. I'm just right, saying you're saying, but what's most important. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said. I've never heard you say that before. It's not being perfect. That matters. It's being perfectable. Mm. Ben Stewart said that I heard, got it from him. Wow. You're giving credit too. Look <laughs> at you. So, and then you would say, you know, having an outlook that you will probably fail in some of the areas that you're committing mm -hmm. to renew yourself in and how you respond to that failure is probably the most important. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That was so good. Thanks, honey. Anything else that you would like to close on? No. Wow. I'm really proud of you. <laughs> Thank How did that feel? It's good. I, I don't mind sharing these things because some of them I'm still working through even in our relationship, but like a lot of them I think are really helpful and are things that by the end of my dating journey, I realized like, oh, wow, this was, I had healed a lot. Like you heard, you never experienced those extravagant dates from me, but that's a good thing because it means that I wasn't on hyper performance mode for you. And that was a big deal for me, but sorry that you got no Ferrari. I was going to say, I mean, to be honest, I think of all the things that I experienced that were still works in progress, that one <laughs> that would have wouldn't been. have been the worst one, you know, <laughs> to deal with, like a blacked out Range Rover, you spend a thousand dollars on Titans tickets. You know. I didn't compare you to my exes. Yeah, I'm just... If you were still struggling with that, babe, I, I wasn't I stalking mind. you be... at length or anything. Well, I, but that's a good point. Maybe we'll end on this. You weren't quite as infatuated with me, though, in the beginning. Right. I changed the way I was doing dating. Well, and I I wasn't maybe a guy that you would have been infatuated with. Yeah. Like, but... you weren't trying to please mm -hmm. me. I wasn't some really really good looking perfect like <laughs> you were good looking you know person that would have caught your eye in the room right and that might have helped that because it you did help in a, an extent but i also was dating other people and also wasn't performing for them either okay so and some of them were maybe more my quote type okay yeah um but yeah but so some, i had really worked on that some people talk about their spouse though and the way that they describe maybe how I describe when I look at you, you know, mm. for the first time, it'd be really hard not to perform mm. and really, really hard not to lock them down. Yeah. You got to have a non-scarcity mentality and take it one day at a time. Yeah. Much better for your heart. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on to my podcast today <laughs> that um, I'm a loud mouth, you know, and dominate. <laughs> Stop, um, stop. So thank you so much. It was really fun. How did it feel to be interviewed on your own podcast? 
It's good. It's happened one time before, but it was good. Okay, so this is the second time? Yeah. Wow. Good job, baby. Okay. Well, it's over. You can breathe now. <laughs> Thanks, guys, and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> we love you, fam. We love you guys. The Heart of Dating podcast is created by Kate and JJ Tomlin. Shout out to our epic audio and video editor, Scott Caro. We have an amazing Heart of Dating team who helps bring the show to you each week. I want to shout out Kelsey Napier, our Heart of Dating digital marketing coordinator, and Elena Gibson, our brand and community manager. We couldn't do it without them. Now, if you guys have never ranked us or reviewed us on iTunes or Spotify, would you consider doing that? It would mean so much because our podcast can get more discovered and more people can learn how to better date as Christians. Don't we all want that? We launch our podcast each and every week on Wednesdays. So we will see you next week. Bye.